0: Welcome to the Renewing the Center podcast. My name is Chris McDaniel, and we want to thank you for joining us today. Here at Renewing the Center, we're answering God's call to work for the spiritual renewal of the church. For more information, visit RenewingTheCenter.org. We're glad to have you with us today. Now, let's make some space for God's renewing work. Today we're going to look at John chapter 20 and focus specifically on the goodness of learning to wait in the midst of doubt is not something you hear probably discussed very often in the church, and it's one of the reasons why I'm going to bring it to you today for our reflection here. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, but Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book that these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, I pray that you would help us to find our story in Thomas's story. And specifically, Lord, where doubt is so tricky for us to sit with and even acknowledge many of us. I pray that you would give us grace to, to see some things and experience some freedom today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So this passage is very meaningful, I think, for, for us as we live the nitty-gritty of life, which involves doubt. Um, the, the normal experience of a person, Christian, is, is to uh, encounter seasons of doubt. This passage is read on um, the Sunday after Easter Sunday, which in the church uh, is called Low Sunday. It's um, not just because attendance is low on, on the Sunday after Easter Sunday, but it's because we uh, are confronted with the reality of doubt uh, so early after the resurrection of Jesus. So let, let's just sit with this story and think about it as it would have unfolded, because uh, I think there's really powerful truth here for us. Number one, Jesus appears to his friends. Um, On the evening of the resurrection, Jesus bypasses barriers, locked doors where the disciples are hiding, and he appears to his friends. And I just love this image of a a group of frightened, um, timid, hidden people who've erected barriers between themselves and the world. And you know the thing about barriers, right, is they don't discriminate. Barriers keep good and bad out. They built walls around their hearts and around their lives, and they were trying to be safe. But Jesus is able to bypass their barriers, and so he walks through locked doors. And I think about my own life, and I think, how many times has Jesus bypassed a barrier, you know, a wall that I put up around my heart, or a defense mechanism, or uh, an insecurity, or a fear? Well, that's what he does on the night of the resurrection. He reaches his friends, even though his friends are hard to reach. And I just want to say to you that if you're hard to reach right now, Jesus is pursuing you. He wants to reach you. He wants to access your heart. That's what he does for the 11 on the night um, of, of the resurrection. And when he finds them, he does not shame them. And many of you maybe have a vision of Christian spirituality where you would have imagined Jesus you know, saying, what's wrong with you guys? Why did you not believe? Why are you hidden away? Um, Unlock these doors and get outside this hidden place. That's not what Jesus does. The the first word he speaks to them is peace and then breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And this is where we're meant to do a little bit of dot connecting. Uh, For the disciples to be breathed on and hear receive the Holy Spirit, they would have immediately thought of um, Acts 2 coming, uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the wind, they would have thought of that by the time they got to Acts 2, but they would have thought backward and thought of the valley of dry bones, the the breath of God breathing on dead things and bringing them back to life. As Jesus is breathing on them the night of the of the resurrection, they would have thought he's breathing life into our hopeless bones. And then you fast forward on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes as when they would have thought back to this evening, and then they would have thought again further back to the Valley of Dry Bones. And I just want to say this, when you are in dark places, hidden in obscure places, and Jesus finds you, he does not do so to shame you for your doubt, he does so to breathe hope and peace and life to you. And that's so important for us to hear. I think that's actually such uh, a, an important truth, and it's right at the very heart of God, and many of us just need to hear it. But here's the challenge. Poor Thomas wasn't with his friends um, on the evening of the resurrection. I mean, what a what a terrible time to be out doing something else, and we're not told what he was doing. He, he could have been running errands. He could have been um, you know, if, if he were like me, he would have been out wandering the streets on his own, trying to figure it all out in his head, trying to make sense of it. Well, whatever the reason, he was not there. And so he misses this encounter with Jesus. And as soon as he walks in the door, they shout, we've seen the Lord. It's like this super exciting. And Thomas doesn't believe them. He cannot bring himself to believe. So he doubts. But y'all, all he wants is to experience what his friends have experienced. I mean, that's all he's asking for. He's not asking for something special. He's not saying, well, I want something more than you had. He's just saying, I missed it and I can't bring myself to believe until I see what you saw. So he expresses doubt. And I alluded to this when I was praying at the beginning, You know, one of the things that I think many of us find so difficult, especially those of you who grew up in the church, is that you don't know what to do with doubt and you don't know what to, um, how to, or if you can't express doubt. But we all experience doubt. Um, and if you're outside the church and you've expressed doubt about the veracity or truth of certain Christian claims, you have probably have encountered Christians who are really defensive and insecure and even combative. I have. For me, faith has not always come easy. Uh, if you've been to my church, you know you've probably heard me say, you know, I even as a Christian, I've been through large and long, extended, protracted seasons of doubt. Times where nothing really made sense to me, and I find my story in Thomas. He he just says, I don't know how to believe it. I think he's saying I want to believe it, but he just doesn't know how. And if you're there, Thomas is your he's your person. So then, what happens next? After a week of waiting. A week, y'all, Jesus appears to Thomas. And I just want to say a few things to us that I think might help us understand the way our lives unfold. Number one, Jesus waits one entire week before he resolves Thomas's doubt, before he meets Thomas. And this just simply reminds me that God is not obliged to anxiously adjust his timeline because I'm anxious. He doesn't rush to me like an anxious parent would rush he he essentially says i'm going to let this cook a little bit y'all pressure and stress and unresolved answers can all can produce some good in us i believe that we live in a culture where we're really too quick to try to resolve our own tensions tension can be a trainer and a teacher if you will let it and Thomas cooked a little bit during this week. I mean, imagine every day the disciples are overjoyed and Thomas is sitting there going, well, I'm still sitting in the dark. And if you're in Christian community, you'll undoubtedly experience times where you'll be in a dark place and and someone you love will be in a really great, bright place and vice versa. Well, Thomas is sitting in the dark for a week. But here's the second thing I see in this story that's really important for us to sit with. Thomas, though he is sitting in unresolved tension, he does not leave his friends. He does not leave the house. He doesn't separate himself from his friends. He doesn't run away. He doesn't allow disappointment to make him feel sorry for himself. He actually is sitting in a different space, but he remains connected to the friends and to the place where Jesus last turned up. He hung in there. And maybe right now that's what you need to be doing. Maybe now you're in a Thomas place, but if you run away when you're in that place, if you further compound the pain of it all by isolation and unhealthy coping mechanisms, then you might actually put yourself out of the environment where Jesus would show up. And the last thing we see here is that ultimately Jesus does turn up. And when he turns up, he doesn't box Thomas's ears. He doesn't shame him. He doesn't say, I'm super disappointed in you. He actually treats Thomas like he treated his friends a week prior, but a little more. He opens up his hands and he says, touch the wounds because Thomas said, I won't believe unless I touch the wounds. And what Jesus does in this moment is he's showing Thomas that he was listening to him and present to him even in Thomas's doubt. And I just think the same is true for you and me. Um, If I can believe that God is present and listening and able to hear me and access me even when I'm in doubt, even when I think he's nowhere to be found. Well, that's what Jesus shows Thomas right here. He says, put your finger in my hands. Now, there's no indication that Thomas actually does it. I think that was enough for him. He, he says, my Lord and my God. He actually says the truest thing about Jesus that we hear a person say. He calls Jesus God. And then the way the story ends, I find so encouraging for you and for me. Jesus then invites us to believe. This is one of those rare moments where Jesus turns and speaks directly to future Christians. He says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. He also says that by believing, we will have life in God's name. I believe the Lord wants to do new and good things in our lives. I think he wants to stir belief in us, um, a belief that's empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit. But y'all, if we won't and can't sit still in our doubt, we'll never get to those bright, happy places. So maybe the most faithful thing you can do right now is to not run away in the midst of doubt and questioning, to put your questions before the Lord and stick around. Father, I pray for my friends, including myself, Lord. Help us in our doubt. Help us to trust you. Help us to look to you and find you. Or or Lord, maybe I should better say, to be found by you, God. That's what we want. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you felt moved or inspired by something in this podcast, an idea, an image, or an impression, carry it with you into your day as a prayer, coming back to it again and again in the spaces throughout your day. Be curious about what God wants to show you. What in your life needs to hear this word of encouragement, inspiration, or course correction? And be courageous in your response. The Holy Spirit will give you the grace to carry out whatever He places on your heart. And thank you for being with us today. We look forward to having you with us again next time here at Renewing the Center.